Big Bertha. It's an iconic name. Some of the longest and straightest clubs in all of golf. Now, the legend just got even easier to hit. The new Big Bertha irons from Callaway are powered by a suspended energy core, a totally new construction, to deliver easy launch, long, consistent distance with incredible sound and feel. This is by far Callaway's easiest to launch distance iron ever. Get big time distance now. Experience Big Bertha irons today at your local golf shop or at callawaygolf.ca. Dark new details about Canadian serial killer Bruce MacArthur have been unsealed by the courts. The details come from passages within some 6,000 pages of police documents detailing the police investigation into the deaths of eight men who went missing from Toronto's gay village. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. We look at what new info the documents reveal about the police investigation, what MacArthur did to his victims, and the men who avoided the killer's reach. Keep up to date with all our episodes. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also leave us a review, and I'd love it if you tell your friends about us. Adrian Humphreys is an investigative reporter with the National Post. So, Adrian, new portions of the 6,000 pages of Toronto police documents detailing the investigations into these missing persons uh, cases, which eventually became homicide investigations. They were unsealed this week and they helped fill in some of the blanks about the work investigators did as well as details about the victims and the killer himself. So how did this information come to light? Well, in the course of the multi-year investigation, the police had to keep uh, applying to the courts for these search warrants. And to get a search warrant, you have to convince a judge that you have you know, lawful and, 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 and uh, reasons and investigative, sound investigative reasons to uh, do these intrusive things, such as break into someone's house and make a copy of their computer on, uh, surreptitiously and, and to put a tracking device and to monitor phone calls and so forth. So th- over and over again throughout the years, as they focused on different suspects, they uh, the Toronto police investigators filed dozens and dozens of these informations to obtain the search warrants. And they amounted to 6,500 some pages. Now that the case is over, now that Bruce MacArthur has pled guilty to these eight murders, the media organizations, post-media included, uh, mounted a legal challenge to get access to all of those information to obtain so that we could learn more about the investigation, about the uh, the murders, and about the, uh, the, the all of the 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 way that uh, Toronto police managed to solve this uh, in- incredible uh, and sad series of events. So what did we learn about the investigation into Bruce MacArthur that we didn't know before? What what about the police investigation uh came out as part of this unsealing? Yeah, so there's lots of uh you know sort of little things and I mean important but little little details that had previously been um uh withheld from the media uh like for instance um while the police were focusing and and narrowing their their attention to Bruce MacArthur that they also investigated several of his friends and family as possible accomplices um they thought the officers tell me that they they actually thought it would be improbable for him to carry this out uh, on his own without some help. And so they looked at uh, some of his close friends who had uh, various properties and some rural property. They looked at some of his family members who uh, helped him buy and sell the van that he used to uh, to uh, commit some of his crimes. They looked at um, 
uh, his, his children, uh, one of whom used to live with him, a roommate, of course, that seemed like a natural one to, to, to look into because he lived with Bruce MacArthur in a two-bedroom apartment where many of the murders took place. There's a number of these people that, uh, that the police looked at and, and they thoroughly were looked into and the police assured me that there was absolutely no evidence that they, they knowingly helped him in any way. Um, we also learned uh, some really uh, sort of grisly way ab uh, about what what Bruce did, Bruce MacArthur did after he killed uh, his victims, how he staged them uh, in these preposterous ways. He, not to go into too much detail for uh, of, of these unsavory uh, elements, but he posed them in a fur coat and a, sometimes a fur hat, sometimes with a, an unlit cigar dangling from their lips. And then there was also these hints of of how he did it. Um, he took photographs uh, of, of his victims. He also at various stages. And in some of the photographs near the end of the cycle, the police uh, saw photographs of hacksaw and plastic bags. And, uh, and when they raided the, um, the, the, the place where he was storing all his landscaping gear, they also found two large knives, surgical gloves, masks, and four hacksaws. And so that will give uh, listeners an idea of, of, of what the messy end that uh, these poor gentlemen faced. I know that as part of the, the details of this case that the public may recall, the remains of, of some of these men were found in concrete planters on a property that he worked at as part of his landscaping business. Obviously, some of these details would have come out as part of the agreed statement of facts at his guilty plea. What, did, what was new out of some of those details of the crimes themselves? Uh, we we weren't um, privy to um, some such things as um, four men were likely intended to be uh, victims. Uh, we knew about one or two of them, but the, the 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 full extent of the fact that we it could have been a much higher death count if hmm. uh, if Toronto Police hadn't acted. One of the most shocking, of course, is one that was. When police arrested him, they saw they were he had him under surveillance and and he he, he escorted a, a man that fit his profile into his apartment and police immediately went up and found him handcuffed to to his bed. Um, there was other men that he had tried to strangle that managed to escape. And what was interesting to police is that they noted that although four people survived MacArthur's attacks, only two of them reported the incidents to the police. Wow, and this concerned the investigators that uh, maybe there are other uh, victims that survived that they don't know about, or maybe even other victims that were killed that they have not yet uncovered. Well, I know that through the years that these killings were going on, there was concern that police may not be taking the missing persons investigation seriously. And I think, as we've heard surrounding this case, that there are concerns that people in the LGBTQ community may not feel comfortable going to the police. Either they feel the police may not take it seriously or that they may have to reveal details about their personal life that they're not comfortable revealing. Um, did police offer any explanation as, as to why people may not have come forward? First off, many of his victims were uh, sort of vulnerable uh, men. Some of them were were closeted, so they that, that you know when they went missing, there wasn't an immediate urge to check through the gay village because they were married and people didn't know that they were gay. Some of them were homeless. Uh, many of them were um, uh, drug users, drug abusers, some drug addicts uh, that had uh, one of the men were was facing bankruptcy. There were there was reasons that uh, an investigator could 
throw to as a reason that why they would run away or or be missing in in a not um, such a troubling fashion. But no doubt, uh, I I think the fact that uh, this was a a community that the police necessarily didn't have uh, the same ties or connections to from its history of of policing the gay village, it would have interfered with the the trust investigators had. And um, I think that was probably a very legitimate concern of the community. Now, you mentioned earlier that police had looked into uh, whether he, whether MacArthur had any accomplices and investigated, or at least looked into uh, his family, his roommate, um, and talked about things like selling a van really quickly. Did Is it a case of police figure that MacArthur may have used these people, but they were unwitting, uh, not accomplices, but unwitting actors in his plans to, to deal with uh, at least the van that may have been involved in these crimes. Uh, yeah, I guess in a way, um, the, the, there was there was definitely um, his his family helped him uh, buy a new van and re- replace the old one, get rid of the old one, and buy the new one. And investigators wanted to know whether they were doing that knowingly or knowing why or or, or, or what it was used for, uh, in addition to his landscaping business. And they're, they're just. You know the evidence sh- suggests absolutely not. Um, you know, if 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 my dad needed a new van and needed my help getting one, I would help him out too. Or mm-hmm. if my father-in-law or my my uncle, and that's what family are for. So uh, I, the, the police uh, evidence and what the police tell me is they thoroughly investigated uh, these avenues and uh, are convinced. And they always sort of add these at this stage. <laughs> they're convinced that uh, that he really was acting alone in a, in a knowing sense. And in fact, his roommate, I was just going to say his roommate, it saved the lives uh, potentially of one of the men that escaped because uh, one, the man that was sort of secure, one of the men that were secured to his bed in a very um, a dangerous situation, uh, he felt he was about to be killed when his roommate unexpectedly returned home and, and, and Bruce had to sort of stop. And, uh, you know, I guess if the roommate was in on it in any way, um, he wouldn't have been concerned about his roommate knowing and he wouldn't have had to stop. So mm-hmm. there's things like that that probably helped clear a lot of these people that they looked into. One of the things you touch on in your reporting is the fact that, you know, Bruce was a very uh, trusted individual and he often had run of the homes that he worked on as part of his landscaping business. And in fact, that there were reports that, uh, he would take men to these houses. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, he, he clearly presented as a very uh, trustworthy, safe person. He, some of his clients, and these are people that would know him outside of the sort of the gay community, uh, took to him. They, it, it, he, he was obviously affable. Several of them gave them keys. They had the run of the house, uh, uncontrolled access to their homes. Uh, a number of them asked Bruce MacArthur to, to house sit for them. Uh, when when they were away, and there was one particularly kind of kind of quite an eerie encounter. Uh, a couple had been um, uh, holidaying in Africa, and when they came back, uh, MacArthur had been house sitting for him, and uh, and he apologized. There's a dark. He said he spilt uh, Coke Coca Cola uh, in their bedroom carpet, and he tried to get it out, but he couldn't. And there was this large two foot by three foot dark stain in their carpet. And uh, and they sort of accepted his apologies. But in hindsight now, uh, I'm sure they're wondering whether that was in fact really Coke and not uh, blood that had stained the carpet. It was in the bedroom. And, and some of the victims uh, who had escaped had said that uh, they took that, that MacArthur took them to a house that they was house sitting, and in fact, one uh, man was uh, was photographed by MacArthur wearing this fur coat, uh, which hmm. he seemed to be a marker 
of uh, of his of his murderous pathology. It, it, the coat, the, this fur coat, is clearly linked in some way to his. Uh, his his urge or need or desire to kill he, he it features very much in almost every death scene so i think some of these uh couples may have um, you know sort of reevaluated how they feel about uh, about their homes and property uh now this is an investigation that went on for several years and and while macarthur was someone who was in police or or at least on the police's radar for a period they also looked at other possible suspects and and one of them is a another high profile uh killer in in Canadian crime history and and his name shows up in the report so uh, you're referring to Luca Magnata and uh, you know Luca Magnata as listeners will know was was found guilty in another horrific murder of uh, of killing the uh, a, a Chinese student who was uh visiting and filming it and, and uploading the film of that murder uh on the internet and also mailing body parts around the country. Very horrific uh, um, scenario. And how how Luca Magnata came on the police radar wasn't just because he was into the same sort of weird uh, and horrific actions as MacArthur was, was that there was the lead suspect at first for uh, was uh, a guy named James Alex Brunton, who uh, police learned about through a, 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 an informant's tip via Switzerland, uh, this Brunton guy from Peterborough, Ontario, was a self-professed cannibal, and he was a member of this an online cannibal community. He he wrote these uh, detailed, horrific accounts of uh, killing, cooking, and eating um, uh, young men and young bo- you know young men after you know raping and torturing them. Often by consent, he had these written contracts with uh, a 15-year-old boy that when he turns 18, he can rape, abuse, kill, and then eat him. So this is you know a very um, uh, warped and troubling uh, person. And because of his connections, um, various coincidental connections, uh, he was, and this tip, he was suspect number one. Now, it turns out that he wasn't linked to these murders at all, although they did arrest him and charge him and convict him for child pornography charges. But uh, this guy, Brunton, lived like four minutes away from Luca Magnata at the time. And Luca Magnata had uh, overlapping circumstances that uh, with some of the potential victims that were missing of Bruce MacArthur's. So he was a, an early suspect. Police got a, a search warrant uh, to access his phones, computers, and hard drives. But by then, Magnata had been arrested, and the uh, computer equipment was in the hands of Montreal police. Uh, and there seemed to be no relevance in the end to the uh, missing and murdered man in Toronto's uh, village in this case. Now, a, a lot, obviously, in the documents about Bruce MacArthur, about what he did to the eight men that he killed and the four men uh, who managed to escape. Anything new out of the documents related to the victims, or have we learned anything new about any of the uh, eight men that whose lives he took? One of the men that, uh, that he did have a relationship with uh, and then ultimately became uh, Bruce MacArthur's uh, last victim before he was arrested was a man named Andrew Kinsman. And uh, police were, um, when they were going through his affairs, found this strange connection, uh, not only a personal connection, a sexual uh, relationship with Bruce MacArthur, but also a very um, a keen mutual interest in serial killers. So there's a sort of the irony here that uh, Kinsman was uh, read a lot about them. They found um, some writings and documents and photos and and movies on his hard drive about serial killers that have a very similar uh, pattern of uh, a victim. 
uh, perhaps to, uh, to to MacArthur, and uh, and in fact he had conversations with a friend who wasn't identified into the quote the psychology of serial killers and how they hmm. functioned, and there's some suspicion that that was in fact Bruce MacArthur, uh, although the, you know there's there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that you know he knew of what MacArthur was up to, uh, other than the fact that they had a shared interest in it. Uh, and ultimately, um, he became a, a, a victim of it, and, and a very, you know, tragic murder. There, uh, Andrew Kinsman was was uh, extremely well liked within the community, and a very sort of responsible man, a landlord, and so forth. And is very much missed. And uh, I know some of the information uh, in the police uh, documents that we've reported on has has been very upsetting to uh, many of his friends and many people in the community. And that's uh, sort of very unfortunate, of course, that. Uh, that you know his private affairs had to become public uh, because of uh, someone like Bruce MacArthur, who uh, ultimately uh, just was there to uh, murder him for his own pleasure and, and psychosis. Well, it is definitely a, a sad case overall, a tragedy that 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 many men lost their lives to a, obviously a, a very a dark and disturbed person. Um, given that this case has kind of you know, we've made it to the courts. He's been, he pleaded guilty. He was sentenced. He, he's been sent to prison. The release of these documents seems kind of a, an end piece here. Are police still looking into any other possible cases involving MacArthur or, or does this all kind of fall by the wayside as time goes on? No, police uh, are not done with the MacArthur case yet. One of the things, another thing we did learn from these documents was that uh, uh, Bruce MacArthur faced a, uh, a a charge in 2001 um, from an assault, and part of his uh, parole package, he wrote a seven-page handwritten accounting of his early life, and police uh, obtained, applied for, and obtained a search warrant that allowed them to access to to that to help them trace. MacArthur's life backwards from when he became a killer, uh, and uh, they've been going through that as for any evidence or clues. And also, there was time he spent abroad that uh, has been cause for some uh, looking uh, whether there's victims elsewhere outside of Canada. So I, I know for a fact Toronto police are not done with the Bruce MacArthur case, uh, and they want to make sure that he hasn't uh, gotten away with any murders like he did, for, like he did for so long. Adrian, thanks very much for your time. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for your interest. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Technical support this episode from John Richardson in Toronto. Special thanks to my guest, Adrian Humphreys at the National Post. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>